Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Decomposition. My name is Mernal. And I'm Anjali. And this is a show where every week we break down songs, we talk about composition, we talk about music theory, we talk about lyrics, and most importantly, we talk about why we love the songs that we love. Care to introduce this week's song, Anjali? Yeah. Uh, as we promised, uh, well, didn't promise, we alluded to a Panic at the Disco song for this week. Uh, the song is Death of a Bachelor by Panic at the Disco from their album, Death of a Bachelor. I almost said Panic at the Disco <laughs> was the <laughs> album. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really great song. And yeah, when you first heard it, um, what stuck out to you? I think this song kind of stands out from the rest of the album because a lot of the album is very driving you know a lot of synths a lot of guitar a lot of drum beats and um this song uses similar compositions but i think it's the first like slow song or ballad you hear on the album there's two on the album i think this one and impossible year okay so um as the first ballad i think it stands out to you when you're listening through this album um i think just general this is one of my favorite panic albums um i think it's really well put together and the concept of the death of a bachelor and how he frames the subjects of this song really kind of drew me in. How about you? What was your first impression? Um, what stuck out to me on this one was the vocals. Uh, like it's largely Sinatra-esque um, from like, it just reminded me of old songs my mom used to listen to. So like it is very uh, incredible. Like his vocal range is incredible to listen to. So for me, I really liked that part of the song. Mm. Yeah, I think um, speaking about the vocals, um, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me there was how he uses the rhythm of the vocals. Like um, this song is in 4-4, four, four, right? So, um, which is the standard time signature for most pop, most rock songs. But um, what goes with that is that most melody lines start on the one beat and end on the four beat. But he almost never does that in this song. Every melody starts off the one. So there's like a little gap and then he starts singing. Or there's um, sometimes it's like almost half a measure he waits before he starts singing his vocal lines. So that creates this effect of little flowingness. And I think that's what you're calling like Sinatra-esque, where you can imagine him just kind of waltzing around the stage singing this song, right? It's not like you have to be technically perfect. I should phrase that differently. You have to be technically perfect, <laughs> but it doesn't sound like you're technically perfect because it's not stuck to the grid as much as like a pop song or a rock song usually would be. Yeah, I think you're like getting at the fact that he sounds very natural when he's singing it. Like it's coming to him so naturally. Like he is technically correct, but like he's, it doesn't seem like he's overthinking it. Yeah, I wouldn't say natural. Like I want to say the word lazy, but that's not right either. No, it's but like, I know what you mean. Like a Like a laconic, like... Oh, I just sing in this song. You know, it's yeah, not the, your vibes. <laughs> the vocal rhythm lags behind the rest of the rhythm. Yeah. Intentionally. Yeah. That's what's happening here. And it creates this kind of drag. And I think it, I feel like it makes the song feel like it's slower than it is. You're right. Because actually, when you look at the beat, it's very quick. Um, yeah, and there's some musical breakdowns here where it feels like, oh, this is suddenly up-tempo, but it's been that same tempo the whole time. Yeah, but his song, like, his lyrics were just lagging behind that tempo the whole time. And you're right that I think that's, like, the trick Sinatra uses because no one ever looked at Sinatra and thought, oh, he works too hard, <laughs> goes too hard. <laughs> Sinatra catching strays here. Yeah. 
he's just, you know what I mean? The guy yeah. like smokes like a cigar and wears a fedora. I don't know anything about Frank yeah. Sinatra. How, how dare he wear <laughs> I, a fedora? I, I want to apologize real quick to all the white men that I'm offending. Um, I don't mean to hurt your idol. I just don't know him. Anyway, go on. <laughs> Everybody catching strays now. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew a kid. <laughs> so one guy. You're sorry apologizing to the one guy. No, I don't know him now. I'm saying that that's where the stereotype came into my head. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, go on. <laughs> I was going to say, in addition to the rhythm, all the notes he uses are very long, drawn-out notes, which uh-huh. are, again, dragging this song a little bit. Yeah. And um, it creates a sense that it's slower than it is. And I think that makes sense when we get into the lyrics and the themes of the song. Yeah. Um, as far as the lyrics go, it's very strong with his uh, alliteration in this. Or like, um, I think if you look at songs sometimes uh, throughout the song, there may be a vowel or a consonant that stands out the most. And in this one, for me, it's like uh, L's and O's that like seem to really come into play a lot. And when you think of like the low, kind of like just the combination of those two, um, it just kind of gives that laid back, lazy vibe that we were talking about Mm -hmm. to the lyrics. So um, when he starts this, he says, Do I look lonely? I see the shadows on my face. People have told me I don't look the same. Maybe I lost weight. I'm playing hooky with the best of the best. Pull my heart out my chest so that you can see it too. So he's with the L's and the O's. We're seeing, do I look lonely? Um, I see the shadows on my face, like all these like appearances of the O. People have told me, when I say people, I know it's not spelled people with like P-O-L at the end, but that's how it sounds. Uh, have told me I don't look the same. Maybe I lost weight. I'm playing hooky. Um, put my heart out my chest. So he kind of does that. And then with those O's, he can like really work the notes in that as well which really like adds to his whole Sinatra vibe. Like there's certain lines where he sounds a little more like it than in other lines. Like for instance, the, um, uh, when he's doing the like kind of up down notes, I, d- I don't know a better way to describe this, but to me it sounds like, uh, so that you can see it too. Like that seems like a Sinatra, like old timey thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about old timey, but I know in modern, when you're writing a modern pop melody, mm-hmm. the conventional advice is to not jump too much between notes. Right. Because it's easier for people to sing along when notes follow each other in the scale. Yeah. And the fact that he doesn't do this one, I think, speaks to his skill as a vocalist. It's hard yes. to do that as a singer. And um, two, yeah, you're right. It gives it kind of this more old timey kind of feel. Because if you think back to. You know, like the Beatles, they would do that too. have these big jumps in their uh, vocals. Yeah. Also, just any time I imagine like an old timey singer, like Beatles are like a whole band. You know what I mean? I think I'm thinking of like uh, 
Elvis. I, I'm, you know, I don't know. I think this you is know, like I'm just gonna call it. I don't know him. But it's closer to like jazz, right? So you're thinking jazz something is like what I'm thinking, Duke yeah. Ellington types. Thank right? you. That's and, like one of the. And people. when they write melodies, especially for things like horns, like trumpets and things like that, it's much easier to jump notes yes. than like on a yes. vocal. I think. I think that goes with like the syncopated beat you're talking about. Like all these elements just kind of yeah. make it very elements jazzy. of like a little bit of jazz, right? Which I think Sinatra used in his music too. Yeah, so I think Sinatra was what 1940s. Don't ask me to be specific. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, Sinatra did have some elements of like jazz, but I it's going toward like I guess what would you call it like lounge music, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, the syncopation, the drawn out notes, the the jumpy melodies do give it like that old timey feel. And I think also one thing we didn't mention at the beginning of um, the song, there's this like weird little retro vibe sound effect. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's go back to that real quick. Yeah. You're right that they have that initial kind of, um, it made me think of almost the thing that you, you pointed out in the beginning of karma with the yeah, reversal. Yeah. So it's obviously a sound sample that someone has reversed in some uh, post-processing but I couldn't quite place what it's supposed to sound like. Is it like, you know, are you like pushing a record backward or like a tape backward or something like that? It's kind of, it's like a rewindy sound effect, right? Yeah. Are you talking about the do, 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 or is that, no, that's No, the that's notes. at the end. Um, at the beginning, it's like the do, 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 it's like a warped oh, synth. Yes, I yeah. remember. It's like, a, it's like a very show tunesy kind of intro sound and again that was a very retro noise that made me like yeah. i literally cannot describe it it's just like a weird like i'd imagine it at like the beginning of a bugs bunny cartoon yes thank you that's exactly the picture yeah, that was in my vibe. mind like a yeah. black and white cartoon um and if you if you heard it you would know what it is it's like a bunch of symbols going backward and stuff and then like but like it's a mess. It's like yeah. a bit of a cacophony. Yeah, it's meant to be distorted, meant to be warped, right? Yeah, it's distorted, so definitely. it automatically puts you in this mindset of this could be a song from another time. Mm-hmm. But then it's also contrasted with the fact that he's using synths and drum beats, which are very modern. Yeah, you know? so it's almost like he starts a song like the way that like some shows start like, oh, this is our flashback now. But like he just says it like the, the noise yeah. is all getting distorted and stuff. And then boom, into this weird Sinatra song. It's not saying it's weird because it it is different than the rest of the album for sure. Yeah. Um. And then like it just pulls you into this like retro sounding song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's just noise. I don't even know how to. It's not notes. Yeah. It's meant to be like chaotic. Yeah. And distorted. But yeah, we didn't even get into what the lyrics are actually saying yet. Just how he's singing them. Right. Yeah. So um, where I was. So the last line was so that you can see it too, which is the whole. Sinatra vibe that I was getting from that but then the actual lyrics in that first verse were uh like do I look lonely I see the shadows on my face so for this I think that he's going into like he's painting the character of himself um and you're kind of imagining a lonely gaunt figure almost like the shadows on your face kind of make me think of like well like contouring you know kind of like you get the shadows in the cheeks oh I I thought it was more like a five o'clock shadow like he's unshaven Interesting. Men have a different idea yeah. <laughs> than I might have. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one too. Uh, and then, yeah, that that probably is it. Um, I don't look this. Oh, people have told me I don't look the same. Maybe I lost weight. That's probably why I thought that. Yeah. Because so he says maybe I lost weight. Generally, you're looking at someone that's kind of unhealthy, right? 
Yeah. Like you got a five o'clock shadow, gaunt, lost weight, you know, you're imagining a sickly figure. Yes. Um, and it's like, so there are people kind of around that he knows that are noticing that he looks worse. And he says, I'm playing hooky with the best of the best. Pull my heart out my chest so that you can see it too. So he's playing hooky with the best of the best, which makes it now sound like um, he's spent, it's because he's spending time with someone uh, who is the best of the best. Pull my heart out my chest so that you can see it too. That makes it sound like it's a love interest. Yeah, and the vulnerability that comes with, you know, pulling my heart on my chest so you can see it too, playing hooky with the best of the best, like you said. So it's, and the fact that the name of the song is Death of a Bachelor, right? We're obviously building towards some sort of wedding scenario here. Some sort of romantic yeah. thing. Um, I'm walking, oh, then the next, the next part is the uh, pre-chorus. And he goes, he gives it a little bit of a change in the notes. He goes, I'm walking the long road, watching the sky fall. The lace in your dress tangles my neck. How do I live? So he's saying like he's walking a long road, watching the sky fall. That sounds like he's on his way to something. And you're right that this is very marriage-esque uh walking down an aisle for instance Mm -hmm. and then the lace in your dress tangles my neck how do i live that just sounds like bridal gowns in the lace yeah and tangling my neck so you're just like oh interesting it's kind of killing him a little bit and he's saying how do i live and you don't know if that means how do i live without you or with you I mean, considering the name of the song is Death of a Bachelor, I'm framing this as how do I live with you? And I think the I in this case refers to like his sense of being a bachelor, right? Mm -hmm. So like when you're getting married, there's a change in your life, right? You're no longer a single person. You are a married person. So and it seems like, you know, getting strangled by the bridal veil is the imagery he's going for here. At least that's how I interpreted this one. Yeah, I think that with the best of the best line, it doesn't sound as negative to me. I see the conflict in it, but it seems um, like it's both. It's like he's he's looking like worse now, like or skinnier now, right? Um, and then like, but he's like losing something, but he's also gaining something. So it feels like a, a goodbye to the bachelorhood, hello to the married life thing. Both were both could be good, but you can still be sad to leave one, right? Yeah, yeah, true. Um, I have some comments on that best of the best, but I want to save that because I think it ties into a line in the chorus. Okay, okay. Yeah, so the chorus goes... Uh, the death of a bachelor, letting the water fall. The death of a bachelor seems so fitting for happily ever after. How could I ask for more? A lifetime of laughter at the expense of the death of a bachelor. So, yes, I did not sing that because uh, Brennan Yuri is too good at singing. And you should just get the experience of hearing it from him. Anyway, this is where the meaning starts to solidify a little more. Um, the death of a bachelor letting the waterfall. To me, that waterfall is uh, crying. 
Letting the tears fall, right? The death of a bachelor seems so fitting for happily ever after. So it's like he's saying it's a death of a bachelor, but it's very fitting because I can get this happily ever after. Um, and then he asks, how could I ask for more? A lifetime of laughter at the expense of the death of a bachelor. So clearly he's saying that this lifetime of laughter that he has before him is going to be worth the ending of this bachelorhood. I have a very different interpretation on this one. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's guaranteed that he thinks it's a fair trade because the way he says um, that it is, I think you mentioned that, oh, it's fitting for happily ever after, right? But Mm -hmm. he uses specifically seems so fitting for. So the way I interpreted this is that he understands that logically all of this should make sense, right? This is the best of the best, like he said in the first verse. How could I ask for more? I'm getting a lifetime of laughter all at the expense of the death of a bachelor, right? So for losing his bachelorhood, then he's getting all of these things, right? But I see a seed of doubt in the way that he's uh, framed these lyrics, like seems so fitting for, um, like, yes, it should make sense, but there's some trepidation, there's some hesitation there of letting go of the bachelorhood, right? Which is why he's saying, I'm feeling like the lace is tangling my neck. Um, Why it's framed as the death of a bachelor rather than the birth of something else. Sure, but it is about the death, right? So it's about the, um, the time leading up to the end of it. So it's like he's on the cusp of this relationship starting, right? I, okay, let's just say something. Is not the relationship starting. Apparently, there was a relationship before because that's how you got to the point that you're getting married. So it's not like you were very single beforehand and uh, you're not that single after either. Um, so this whole no- notion of bachelorhood is kind of overrated in my mind. But anyway, like your your yeah, last but, day as a single man was when you started dating that person. Yeah, but, you were not single the whole time. Anyway, when he's saying like seems so fitting for, when he's saying seems like, yeah, that sows doubt, but it's because he's not there yet. Uh, seems because he's he's on the f- the bachelor side of it still. He's looking at it and he's like, well, it seems fitting. Like it seems like it could work out. And obviously, he has his doubts because the noose of the lace is going around his neck, right? Yeah. But, uh, like I think the doubt is not from it being a negative thing, but just like, you know, whenever there's something in your future, you're like, well, it could be good, could be that, could be bad. Who knows? Like I. I don't know until I'm there, right? Yeah, but I think, um, you know, making big decisions such as a wedding or a marriage is like you should be a little bit more sure than doubting yourself at the time you're about to take the long road, meaning the walk down the aisle, right? Yeah. It seems a little last minute. Oh, so you're like, he doesn't seem committed because he doesn't seem all the way in it. Yeah. Why is he describing it as tangling his neck yeah why are you screaming <laughs> like the death of your bachelorhood when you're about to walk down the aisle or for like we're saying from the man's perspective at least stand in front of the aisle right for other cultures i think sometimes <laughs> there is uh, an importance to the wedding that you know i'm not even gonna put it to cultures for some people there's an importance to, to the wedding that isn't really there for some other people. Like, um, for me, it was like, what kind of, what 
commitment could I possibly be afraid of because otherwise I wouldn't have dated you in the first place, right? Like, so it was kind of, um, like, the other side of marriage didn't seem like a difference. Do you know what I mean? There was no death of anything. Uh, It was just like, okay, and then we do this. (laughs) And then I get to do, like, I don't know. I have, I have an excuse yeah. to go on a honeymoon. But uh, we don't live the uh, rock star touring lifestyle, so I don't know what his life was like pre-marriage. Yeah, so to be maybe fair. he had a really good bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I'm a loser. <laughs> We're is all the, losers, I is see. what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. Thank you, honey. Um, <laughs> so. Even Frank's not. No. <laughs> Frank. The thing about Frank is... No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, yeah, like the... Uh, the death of the bachelor, like he's he's putting so much weight on it because he, uh, maybe he either grew up with the notion or whatever it is that was like, okay, this marriage thing is going to be a huge change or whatever, which is a common like cultural idea, right? That mm-hmm. like, oh, it suddenly changes everything about you when um, in reality it doesn't. You're just the same person, but now the state knows about it. Yeah, and you file your taxes together. Yeah. <sighs> Don't like talk for, about taxes. For millionaires like Brendan, that's a big deal. <laughs> well, you don't know if there's a prenup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, look, it's a song. Let's not talk about yeah. government shit, okay? <laughs> so this what were we talking about? Let's focus up here. He's he's got trepidation, but I think it's the cultural trepidation of marriage. I don't know that it's personal. Personal. Like he's not mad at her. Do you know no, what I mean? Obviously not. I think it's it's personal in the sense of losing that freedom of bachelorhood. Even like, I'm not saying that, you know, there are certain freedoms you lose when you go into a relationship anyway. Right. It's not like you're going around sleeping with everyone. Right. When, even when you're dating. Sure. But it's a level of compromise that comes in with a marriage. Right. In the sense that, okay, you have to build a house together, a potentially a family, depending on whatever they want to do with their lives. Um, there's another person you have to consider in more aspects than you would even if you were dating, right? So it is a level of commitment higher. And I think that's kind of what um, the trepidation comes from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for sure, there's reasons to have trepidation. Mm-hmm. I think he wrote a song about it because of like the cultural vibes around it more than necessarily his own misgivings or something. Do you know what I mean? Like he's. I'm uh, saying it could be either. I could see why he would have personal misgivings as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know him personally, but I could see why. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, that's fine. I, I think it's, uh, it can be interpreted both ways for sure. Yeah. Shall we go on to the second verse? Yeah, um, I'll sing it again because I can't. <laughs> I'm cutting my mind off. Feels like my heart is going to burst. Alone at a table for two, and I just want to be served. And when you think of me, am I the best you've ever had? Share one more drink with me. Smile even though you're sad. I'm walking the long road. And then he goes back into that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, the way he sings it. So, that's why I'm singing this one, guys. It's not because I love the way I sing. 
is because he really goes all Sinatra on it, and you really don't get it when I'm reading the lyrics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a really good, like, that I just want to be served, like, the way he puts so many notes in the word served. Yeah. That is a Sinatra thing. Um, He's doing... Oh, uh, he's got a lot more of the... Uh, can I point out something in the chorus again? Mm-hmm. Um, he had L's and O's in that one as well. Like, obviously, end of Bachelor is L-O, but then yeah. letting the water fall, uh, le- um, fall being like, it, when he's singing it, it's almost like an ah-o ah, sound. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, how could I ask for more? Uh, lifetime of laughter. There's a lot of L's and O's in that. But after this point, he kind of doesn't have them anymore. Uh, when he goes into cutting my mind off, uh, feels like my heart is going to burst. Alone at a table for two, and I just want to be served. Here he just starts, if I had to pick a few letters, A's and T's are a little bit more prevalent. But um, you really don't see any L's anymore. Uh, but I think that he still keeps it in that lazy kind of cadence because he does mm-hmm. he keeps the beat behind the music this album has a lot of alcohol um related themes in it mm-hmm. um i think the most one that comes to mind is uh don't threaten me with a good time which is i was one of the songs in this album as well that has a line i'm not as think as you drunk i am mm-hmm. which was a fun play on words but yes. um he does do a lot of references to alcohol this album even on the next ones, um, uh, what was his next oh. album? Pray for the Wicked. He has a song called One for the Drunks. One of the Drunks, sorry. You know, so I think... Oh, like every other line in this is all about alcohol. Like cutting my mind off is yeah, like cutting whole, you off of drinks. Yeah, this whole verse is about alcohol, kind of. I have listened to this song for so many years. I never thought of what like cutting my mind off could mean, oh. like as far as drinking goes. Like I thought that it was like, I'm cutting my mind off. Like I don't want to think about this anymore. Yes, he doesn't want to think about this anymore, but he's using alcohol to do it. Sure, but I, I didn't know that he was talking about, al- like, it was an alcohol reference. Yeah. So if that makes this sense. This verse, I think, highlights a lot more of his personal doubts, right? He's worried if he's good enough for this person, right? Am I the best you've ever had? So um, I yeah. think this shows the flip side of it, right? Like, one was, the first verse was kind of like, am I ready for this? And now it's like, am I even good enough for this? So yeah. highlighting all those doubts that go around like a wedding and marriage. Right. Because he's like, I'm playing hooky with the best of the best. And then over here, he's just like, but when you think of me, am I the best? Yeah. Am I out of my league here? Kind of. Yeah. So, so he's cutting his mind off. So he doesn't want his mind to drink anymore in quotes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I just want to be served alone at a table for two. And I want to be served. So yeah. he does want. To be served drinks, I assume. Yeah, and, and he's kind of isolating himself, right? Yeah. Like, it's the, I'm alone at a table for two, but I want you to share this drink with me. It's kind of this back and forth of, yes, I want to do this, but am I good enough for this? You know, you can really feel him kind of teetering on the edge here. Maybe he doesn't want to drink alone anymore. Yeah. He wants to drink when there's two of us at the table. He wants to be served when there's two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is... So he is kind of choosing a side here, yeah. but he's just still like, but am I the best person for you to share this drink with? Yeah. Or even if he wants to, right? It's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. The idea of being when you're single, you can drink alone. When you're together, you can't. You have a 
someone there with you, right? Oh, you can drink alone. I mean, yes. I'm just kidding. Metaphorically. <laughs> this is where we find out about my alcoholism. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like metaphorically, okay. yeah. you can, um, you have someone there with you for all of your activities and hobbies, right? Yeah. So um, he's going to have a drinking partner, but maybe he wants to enjoy one alone for the last time, right? Right. And he does that um, changing the notes in the middle of a line thing again. The, and when you think of me, like that whole yeah. thing we talked about with, you can see it too. Mm-hmm. Um, he keeps doing his little vocal gimmicks. Yeah. It's fun. Um, yeah. And then he goes back into the pre-chorus. I'm walking the long road, watching the sky fall. The lace in your dress tangles my neck. How do I live? And back into the chorus. Yeah, chorus a couple times and then out. And there's a little musical breakdown in between. Yeah, the bridge is a musical bridge. Yeah, no um, lyrics. In which he kind of goes full out with a lot of jazz instruments. Yeah, and he uses like some of those retro sound effects again. Like Some of them are like muted, and then he brings in like a horn section. There's like a saxophone going crazy. It really... Um, uh, amplifies the retro vibe. Yeah, it's very jazzy. I like it. Also, I think the uh, music video is black and white and like him on a stage and like there's like an image of like a little smoking cigarette on a teacup. Oh, I don't remember the music video. Yeah, but, yeah. and then what they did in that, I, because this just came to me, but like this cigarette smoke, like uh, it goes out of the cigarette and then it goes back in with the music because he keeps turning it back. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's actually probably what he's trying to show us. Yes. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, it's very, uh, very cool ode to uh, Sinatra, I think, and um, hopefully a positive one for his wife. I think he did say that he wrote the song about his, like, uh, when he was going to get married or something. So well, Yeah, clearly. So, um Based on everything that we kind of talked about here, do you have a song you would recommend if someone enjoyed what we discussed? I think if you want to hear another interesting vocal ballad of his, I liked Dying in L.A. It's another kind of slow one, and he goes a little nuts with the vocals again. Um, what about you? I was actually going to recommend the exact same song. Oh, because shoot. This is uh, <laughs> the biggest highlight of the song is his vocal performance, and he really stands out on ballads. Yes. So I think Dying in L.A., which is from his next album, Pray for the Wicked, I think is a fantastic ballad of his. Um, just so we can have some variety, the other one I would recommend is Impossible Year, which is also from Death of a Bachelor. Both very good ballads, very good strong vocal performances. Yeah, I also liked uh, This Is Gospel, uh, which is another piano ballad. Um, it's a little, he has a piano version of it. Yeah, there's two versions of that. One is a piano ballad. And that's the better one. And then if you hear him like, play it live, incredible vocals. Like, I don't, I don't even know how he hits those notes live. Yeah, I think that's the highlight of any Panic! at the Disco song, right? Is how well he sings. He's so good. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to find like, uh, people who are as good live as they are in studio, and he really, yeah. really exceeds at both. Yeah. Excels at both. He's a fantastic showman. I've seen him live, and the sets that he puts on and the vocal performance he puts on is incredible. And the show that I saw him at, he said he had like 103 fever that day, oh. and he was still going. And like, it, I wouldn't have noticed if he didn't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I'm incredibly sad that he's retired. Um, For now. I have a feeling he'll be back. Yeah. Let's hope. Yeah. Do you have anything else for this episode? Uh, no. Uh, this was a good one. A good song to listen to. If you have a chance, like just, um, he, he's a better singer. <laughs> Go listen to the full song. It's awesome. Uh, listen for the music that they, that he incorporates in the background. It's all very interesting. There's a lot of layers to this. And, um, yeah, thank you for listening to us and our podcast. Uh, you can find us on Apple and Spotify and I think Google podcasts. So feel free to like, and subscribe. Yeah. Uh, this has been decomposition. You can find us on all those platforms. And if you guys could leave us a rating or a review, it really helps us kind of grow the show. So, uh, we'd really appreciate that. We're out, um, every other week. So, uh, we'll catch you in the next episode. All right. Bye. Bye.